hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Dreamer's Manual podcast. Today, I have a special guest, Lisa Simone Richards. And let me tell you, I have been building a business online for the past four years. And two years prior to that, I worked just locally, but for myself. And the things I learned in this episode were many. I would definitely recommend grabbing a pen and paper, opening your notes app so you can jot it down, you know, if you're out walking or once you stop in a parking lot, if you're driving. But this one is is good, you guys. If you don't know who Lisa is, she is a PR and visibility strategist for online coaches who want to get seen everywhere. Through her free workshops, master classes, and mentorship program, she gives you the insider secrets on how to get exposure and reach more people without spending on social media or wasting more money on Facebook ads. Her clients learn the lather and rinse repeat formula for more visibility, which makes them more sales. They go from invisible to in demand, getting interviewed on top podcasts, partnering with big names in their industry and building their authority, expert status, getting featured on major media like Fox, NBC, Forbes, and more. On weekends, you can find her playing in the kitchen with her husband, petting all the dogs in the park. I can relate to that and watching way too many fashion styling videos on YouTube. Now, some of the things we talk about today is how to have a healthy mix of media that your audience can connect with, ways to get free exposure. And that was one of the tips that I hadn't heard before. I definitely had like a page of notes from this interview. And one of my favorite things was Lisa's PR strategy for this year and how easy and accessible it is where she spends just 30 minutes a week and she breaks down the numbers for this, getting all the visibility that she needs for the entire year. It was such a cool conversation. I can't wait for you guys to hear it onto the show. Lisa, this is a conversation I have been looking forward to since we first connected. Thank you so much for being a guest on the podcast. I'm so excited to be here. I feel like we already have this great connection in just a few minutes of a pre-chat. So it'll be fun to share this with everyone who's listening today. I'm really excited. So for people who haven't had the chance to meet you yet, can you tell us about what you do in this space and how you help people? Sure. Gladly. Hi, everyone. My name is Lisa Smoon Richards. I'm a PR and a visibility strategist, and I work with online service-based business owners, primarily coaches, who want to get visibility for their business, but they want to do it without spinning their wheels on social media and without forking over a ton of money for Facebook ads. So what I specialize in showing online coaches is how to leverage other people's platforms. How do you get on their podcast? Thanks, Julie. Glad to be here. How do you get on their stages? How do you get on television shows and magazines? How can you leverage somebody else's platform so that you can get in front of a group of your ideal clients that are already hanging out somewhere? But not only do you get that exposure, you're also building your thought leadership. You're building your expert status. You're building your authority so that your audience perceives you in a certain way. So a lot of the work that I do in PR and publicity, people think, ooh, I need to be at a certain stage of business. I need to hire a fancy publicist. And the good news is, no, you don't. It's way easier than people think. And once they realize that this is accessible to them as well, they realize, wow, I don't need to be creating reels and stuff all the time. There's a faster way for me to grow and hit qualified leads directly. I love that so much. And I have so many questions for you just based on that bit of information, but I think let's start with building a foundation. And can you talk about the different types of media that we might be discussing today? I know earned media is one. Are there other types? And can you tell us briefly what those are? Yeah, sure. Why don't I split it into three categories? And then I'm even going to do a little bit of a subdivision, if that makes sense. So three types of media... Most people are familiar with social media. So that's our Facebook accounts, our Instagram, our TikTok. It is where we have the power to create our content. We can say what we want, how we want to, or how we want to, where we want to, when we want to, without somebody controlling it. 20 years ago, if you wanted to have a message out by video, you were at the mercy of a television show or a news show if you wanted to be broadcast by video. So it's so cool that we can do that ourselves now. 
Also with social media, it's amazing that we can DM the people on the other side. If someone's interested in connecting with us or following and liking our comments, we can start a conversation with them and tell them a little bit about how we could support them. So there's some really big, powerful uh, positives to social media. But when we look at some of the detractors, number one, huge time suck creating all that content. It is the number one thing people come to me feeling frustrated about, the amount of time they're spending creating content. Sure, they may get some likes, sure, they may get some comments, but it's not actually turning into qualified leads and actual sales. So that's social media. Another thing with that, actually, before I switch on to the next type of media is with social media, everybody is doing it. It is a very, very crowded space. Maybe six years ago, if you did an Instagram post with hashtag online business coach, you might get some referrals from it. You're just getting lost in the noise now. And with social media, with love, it doesn't make you special. Everybody's doing it. Everybody has access to it. So those are some of the pros and cons of the first type of media, social media. Second type of media is paid media. And a lot of us may be familiar with this through Facebook ads or Google ads. So I always kind of do a little bit of a retrospective. When I think about paid advertising, you know, back in the 90s, it was like spaghetti at a wall, essentially. You know, you'd put a commercial on during family hour, Friday at 7.30. You'd do a billboard on the highway, hoping the right person drove by it. Now we can go into Facebook ads and say, I'm looking for a female between 35 and 45 who lives in Delaware with an interest in these specific things. And you can really target where your ad dollars are going. So it's so fun to watch that evolution. It's a powerful way to get in front of people. However, again, there are drawbacks to paid media. Number one, nobody logs onto Facebook or Instagram to see an ad. We know how to filter content. Think about how you use social media. You know the difference between, you know, Aunt Pam's birthday versus I tried to sell you some laundry detergent and how to scroll past it. With your love, your clients know how to do the same thing. With Facebook and uh, Google ads and any other type of paid traffic, typically you're going to want to hire a professional to do that. For years, I tried doing my own Facebook ads to save money. And really, I just flushed hundreds of dollars down the toilet. When ads did start to work for me, that was when I was paying a $3,000 a month retainer fee to an agency. And that had nothing to do with the ad cost. That was a separate spend on top of it. And then one of the other drawbacks with ads is that the second you turn off your ad spend, your content's gone. Facebook does not leave a trace of it anywhere just to be nice to you. It is gone, gone, gone. And one more thing with paid media, there's a difference between saying, hey, look at me, I'm awesome, and trying to sell someone on your awesomeness versus the third type of media I'll talk about, which is earned media, where you have somebody else giving you credibility saying, hey, look at them, they're awesome. So earned media is the type that I don't think as many online business owners are familiar with, nor do they know that it's easy for them to access. So when we're talking about earned media, this is leveraging somebody else's platform. Perfect example, me being on this podcast. Julie, you have a bunch of people who could be my ideal clients who are listeners, and I'm coming here to share value with them. I'm not here doing the Lisa show in a commercial, talking about my programs or anything like that. I'm here to give value so that regardless if anyone downloads my lead magnet or works with me, everybody leaves richer than they came. So being on a podcast is a great example of earned media. I said we'd go into a little bit of a subdivision. So this is where it's going to come in. But I'm going to pause for one second because I know I just spat out a lot. Any questions before I kind of break it down a little bit further with earned media? It was so interesting and really valuable. I think people in the online space are going to be aware of the changes that iOS have on Facebook ads and some of those trends. And I know that there's some things that people haven't investigated as much like TikTok ads and Pinterest ads, but there's still a pay to play. And I think you're still subject to so many of the algorithm changes and the platform changes, as you mentioned in social media. So I love that you shared those two. And I can't wait to hear more about earned media because I know from experience and speaking to people every day, they don't realize that there's these opportunities that they can leverage. And they, like you said, they don't have to wait until they have this seven-figure business to be able to take advantage of these things. Exactly. So why don't I break it down into three types of earned media? So again, earned media is all about how am I leveraging somebody else's platform because someone else already has a group of your ideal clients hanging out, whether it's listening to a podcast, in a Facebook group, watching a television show. We're just figuring out how do I figure out where the right place is for me to be highlighted and how do I get in touch with a person who has access and position myself in a way that makes them say, yes, we want to give you access to this platform. So when I'm thinking about earned media, I always encourage my clients to have what I call a healthy media mix. And here's what I mean by that. 
everybody has a preferred way of consuming information. We either prefer to watch it, we like to listen to it, or we like to read it. Fun story. Um, I got married back in September. My husband and I love to play in the kitchen together. And one of our favorite recipes to make is a Thai red curry. Mm. And we make it every few weeks. So I, I don't have it off the top of my head. So when we're making it, I turn on the YouTube video. She does the thing. I press pause. I do the thing. Press play on the video. Repeat and keep going. We've seen this video so many times now that Steve is like, I can't stand her voice. Like just, is there a blog post about this that we can read? So we want to get to the same delicious meal, but we have different ways of wanting to get there. So it's valuable to remember that your client has their preferred way of consuming content. So it would serve you as a business owner to make sure you're hitting them in at least one of each of those three ways. So this is where what I call the ladder of visibility comes into play when we're talking about earned media. So as we climb up this ladder, the intention is to also build our confidence as we move up so we can go to the next level. So at the very bottom of that level, that first step is written media. So this could mean contributing a guest blog post on somebody else's website rather than writing a blog post on your own site with limited traffic. It could be contributing an article to a website that's looking for guest experts like you. Easy tip, go on Google, type in write for us, W-R-I-T-E for us in your industry, write for us relationships, write for us business, write for us money. And you're going to have websites that are looking for expert contributors and how awesome that you're going somewhere that they're looking, people are looking for content on this specific topic. That's why they go to that website. So it's a great way for you to leverage someone else's platform, show up outside of your own website and also be seen as an expert because you contributed to that site. They know that not just anybody gets to be a contributor. So you're positioning yourself. Alternatively, beyond guest blog posting or contributing content for another website, you could pitch an article to somebody who already works at a website, a magazine, a newspaper, and they can write the article and interview you and get some quotes and sound bites. So you don't even have to do the heavy lifting. So when it comes to written content, we've got three ideas there. Guest blog posting, contributing content, and being interviewed. Mm -hmm. Okay. Really, really good. So let's move it up to the next level. I'll go through the next two and then I'll pause for all the questions. So moving from being from written content, and I like to start here because especially if you've never had earned media before, like going on stage in front of a live crowd or in front of a live TV audience could be terrifying. <laughs> Very. But written content, it allows that inner perfectionist to win just this time. I'm not going to be that nice coach all the time, but in the beginning, you can write this contributed article or blog post and you can tuck it away. You can edit it in 48 hours. You can give it to Aunt Sally to proofread. And when you feel good about it, you can hit send. So that's where it allows you to start building that confidence. And, you know, once you see your name published somewhere and you're a contributing author, you're like, oh, you stand a little taller, your shoulders go back, you're a little bit straighter. So we're developing our confidence as we move up the ladder. Next up from written content comes audio content. So this could be being on a podcast like this, where we're simply having a conversation. And I know that you listening to this podcast have done that successfully before. So guess what? You'll probably be great on a podcast interview. Beyond podcasts, it could be if you, especially if you have a bricks and mortar business uh, where you rely on foot traffic. Radio could be a good option, not as sexy, but makes sense in terms of having local community walk into your place of business. Another thing, Clubhouse. We saw that one get real popular last year. So you could be co-hosting or moderating rooms on Clubhouse to get in front of a targeted audience. So those are three different ways to get audio media. So I think we're up to six now. My goal is to give you at least 10 ways of getting earned media. So as we move up to that third tier, that highest tier of the ladder, as you could guess, this is where it comes to being seen and having visual media. And I love this one the best because when people can see you, whether it's on a stage or on television, they're getting a sense of your energy, your personality? Do they like you and connect with you? Because I mean, the truth is pretty much everything all of us do is Googleable and there are a bunch of other coaches doing the same thing. People are going to want to have that know, like, and trust factor if they're going to take their hard-earned money and spend it to work with you. So when it comes to visual media, Back in the day, like I was saying earlier, this was exclusively television. They were the people who had access to the cameras. It could have been speaking, and it still can be speaking, at a live event or conference on a stage. But so many other options have opened up over the last few years. One of my favorite ways to get visual media, 
guest training in other people's mastermind groups, somebody who's already paid to be a part of the business community and I come in and do a training, that tells me they're a qualified lead who's serious, not just someone watching the next webinar. And I almost every time I do a guest training, I end up doing some client acquisition from there. The person who has brought me in, it's a win-win situation. The host of the group, they get extra content and they're over-delivering for their clients. The clients get a training that they wouldn't have gotten access to otherwise. I get exposure in front of a new audience. It's a win for everyone. So we talked about uh, television, guest training, and masterminds. You could go live in someone else's Facebook group, live on Instagram with somebody else. You could speak on a virtual summit. You could speak at a virtual conference. You could speak on a live stage. That's seven different ways of visual media. So we've blown past 10 now. I always like to give at least 10 ideas, but there are so many different creative ways that you can take what you're already doing for your own social media accounts, for your own website, and just simply put it in front of a new audience. Okay. I know people can't see me, but I have so many notes going on over here. Let's start with, can you talk about how someone can successfully evaluate the right strategy for themselves? I know that they might want to come in in this written rung in the ladder, like you talked about, because that is confidence building. But I also feel like there are, depending on the person and the coach, I've definitely been parts of programs where they've had guest speakers and I have not only connected with that person, but ended up you know, having services from them or enrolling in their programs based on their free training that they've done in that group. But also I think sometimes the length of time you spend with someone, for example, in a podcast interview, you're spending potentially you know, 30, 45 minutes or more with someone talking about them and sharing your tips and tricks, as opposed to some strategies that maybe if somebody's reading an article, it gives you that leverage and maybe it gives you that status as an expert. But I wonder if you find that for certain people certain things convert better and how, if you're the person listening to this, can decide what's going to be the thing that's going to convert better for them, or is it a matter of trying things out? Yeah. Okay. There are two things I'd love to contribute here. I do have a quiz that I share with people and we can talk about it at the end if it makes sense too, um, to help them figure out which of all these different ways is going to make sense. But here's what I would encourage you to do. To do. Understand two things. Number one, who are you as a person? I have only child syndrome. I want all the attention in the world on me. So you can throw me on stage in front of 3000 people and I will dance up and be like, hey, everyone, drop your phones. I'm here. Pay attention to me. For some people, that is terrifying. That is the nightmare of their lives. And they would rather be in the comfort of doing a small group training if so much. They would prefer to be pen to paper because that's where they're comfortable. So know who you are as a person. Do you shine in front of an audience? Do you prefer to have intimate conversations? Do you shine as a writer? So work with your personal strengths. My goal as a coach is always to stretch people and not strangle them. I would love to expand you into all three, but let's start where the win is and build upon your strengths. So know who you are as a person. Uh, Don't let anyone throw you into a cookie cutter box. And the second thing that I would be clear on is what are the goals for your business? And this is where I often have my clients start with what I call the ABCs of visibility. So here's what I mean by that. And as you're listening to me describe it, consider am I A, B, or C? So typically, I find there are one of three reasons that people want visibility. They either A, they want to build awareness. They need their ideal client to know that they actually exist and to not be the best kept secret because if no one knows about you, even if you're the best at what you do, they can't hire you and work with you. So this is when you want to get in front of the publications that literally target your ideal client that they're listening to, watching, or reading. It's not about what you like to pay attention to. It's about them. So A stands for awareness. B is creating buzz. So let's say you have a program coming out. You can't just mention it once and think you're going to sell out unless you know, you're know you like Amy Porterfield. Um, you need to make sure that people are hearing about it over and over and over again. Just like when a movie is coming out, you don't hear about it just once. Someone's in a new relationship. Somebody broke up. The actors are on Entertainment Tonight and Hollywood Access and TMZ is following them around and they're doing podcast interviews. It hits you over the head so many times that eventually they're like, what's that movie again? And then you end up seeing it in the theater. So you may want to do something similar a month leading up to your course launch for example, getting on, let's say 10 different podcasts this month, doing like three different Instagram lives and three different Facebook lives so that you're all over the place in your industry. So people hear your name over and over again. So A was awareness. B stands for buzz. Finally, C stands for credibility. This is where you're looking to cement yourself as an industry expert. You want to 
you know, have that foothold in the ground. You want your name to be said in the same sentences as the people whose courses you've bought, whose conferences you've attended. So this is now not necessarily about getting in front of your ideal client, but it's getting into something a little more targeted so that your name is elevated within your industry. So knowing who you are as a person and then knowing the purpose of the visibility, that's going to help inform what is the strategy that would make sense for you. A lot of people say to me, Lisa, I want to be featured on Forbes. I'm like, okay, that's not going to get you clients tomorrow. Do you know how many stories are pumping out a day? Thousands. But if your goal is to get that Forbes logo for your website, so it can see as seen on Forbes, so that whenever somebody lands on it, they're like, oh, they were on Forbes. Like they're not even going to care what you were in it for, but they're going to have that trust factor. Okay. If we know we're just doing it for the purpose of building credibility, cool. You're not going to be surprised if you don't get 10 clients tomorrow from it. And I think just like anything, maybe people are more familiar with how on Instagram, it's not necessarily these large follower accounts that are getting the conversions and the conversations that they're hoping for by connecting with people's audiences. There's a difference between really connected and engaged audiences. And when you think for your clients or for yourself, when you reach out, is this something that you consider? Yeah, it, you know, it's a really, let me tell you a really fun client story. This is like one from the archives in 2015. So when I first started my business, I had a PR agency where I, it wasn't online based exclusively. Um, so I was still working with bricks and mortar businesses. And I had the pleasure of working with doctors Marco and Paulo De Chiantis. They own a chiropractic rehab center here in Toronto called Sports Specialist Rehab Center. So I worked with the doctors. We got magazines, television, radio, again, 2015, no Instagram yet. And they had an opportunity to do three segments with a national television show here in Canada called The Social. It airs from 1 to 2 p.m. across the country. It's kind of like The View in the States. So it was huge exposure, huge viewership for them. And that was all well and good, but they have one, they, at the time they had one clinic here in Toronto. So someone in Vancouver saw it, that's great, but that's not making the money. When they would do the local cable show on Rogers Television, which wasn't sexy, it was volunteer run, but it was down the street from their their clinic. Guess what actually put money into their bank account? The people who had the power to walk in. So one was sexy and shiny and it built their credibility. But when it came to the purpose of, okay, how can we get money in our business? It was doing the less sexy thing. So that's why it's so important to be intentional about knowing, okay, what is the purpose of me doing this? Mm. I think that's so valuable. I hope people are really able to take that in because I think sometimes even I've been surprised at the opportunities that I've had or reached out and connected with people and uh, the type of return that came back from those things. I would really be remiss in not digging into podcast pitching a little bit more because for people that don't know, when I started out in online business, it's one of the very first things I did. I was hired by someone and put right into an online program and said, this is how you do it. Here's how you podcast pitch and have done that for not only many years for clients, but now I build the systems and hire the team maybe to do that. And have received, I don't know, through mine and clients' businesses, countless podcast pitches. So one thing that I absolutely loved, not only was your topic, but your pitch was probably, if not my favorite, like one of the absolute favorite pitches that I've ever received. It was just, it felt warm. It felt effortless. It felt conversational. It felt like I could really understand what you wanted to share, how it would be of value to my audience. I love receiving things like that because it made it such an easy yes. It was like, there is no question. This is a perfect fit for my audience. I know that we'll click and get along. Like all of the, all the boxes were checked. Can you share a little bit more about your theory about podcast pitching in general? And then maybe I can ask you a couple of specific questions that will relate to the audience. Yeah, gladly. One of the things I've learned in PR is maybe not so much, you know, I always lean on a phrase my mom always asked me, said to me when I was younger, she was like, Lisa, please never be fast and easy. And that's exactly what you get to be in the media world. Sorry, mom. So when I think about developing, whether it's a podcast pitch or a television segment, I know for the person on the other side, who's receiving this pitch, if I can do all the legwork and I can hand it to somebody with a bow, I'm going to get a better opportunity of saying yes. So if I said, Hey, I'm a PR and visibility strategist, I can come on your show and talk about PR. Would you like to have me on? 
Now you have to do the work of thinking about the topic and what would the audience takeaways be and what angle would we take it? So I love to get super specific and do the work for the person on the other end. Hey, this is the specific thing I'd love to come on your show and talk about. This is what I'll talk them through. I even sent you, Julie, a picture of the ladder of publicity that we talked about just now. And I shared with you at the end of an episode, your listeners are going to walk away knowing these three things, bullet point one, bullet point two, bullet point three. Now, I also always say, um, I'll also share with them the number one mistake that people make when pitching podcasts or whatever I might have said in there, just create a little bit of intrigue is one of my other strategies. So I think really the crux of a successful pitch in a podcast, any pitch really is painting a super clear picture for the person on the other end. If I'm doing a pitch for a TV show, when I write it right to the producer, I'm like, hey, over the course of four minutes, we could talk about ABC. This is what the tablescape would look like. This is what the audience would know at the end of a segment. Would that be a value to you? So doing that kind of package with the bow, I find is super, super helpful. Also making sure that you acknowledge the host and the work that they've put into their show. Um, Nothing is worse than a copy and paste template that you can tell that every single person has received. Like honor the person by naming the show, not, hey, I listened to your podcast. How generic is that? Hey, I've listened to the Dreamers Manual. To be able to name it is going to be really helpful. To say episodes that have caught your attention is going to be helpful. So really doing your due diligence and saying, hey, I respect you more than just to send you a copy and paste a piece of crap and actually create a connection is very, very powerful. And I also loved the visual piece of the ladder because I'm a more visual learner. So I'm the person who I do listen to podcasts and absolutely love them. But in my free time, my content really is consumed on YouTube or TikTok. But so that visual piece of that ladder, I absolutely loved it, helped it. It it broke up the pitch, but it also gave me a really clear visual that immediately stuck out in my mind. And I could still picture the ladder as we're speaking now. So that piece was great. I wonder... If someone is going to do this on their own, and maybe you don't recommend that they do, I'm curious what your thoughts are about it. I have a lot of people in my audience that are strapped for time, whether or not they're you know, building this business around other things, around their kids' schedule. Um, they might not have the ability to take it full-time. Maybe they're still you know, working at a different job, and then this is something that they're trying to build. I hear complaints from people who might be new to podcast pitching, saying how much time it takes them to do the various things. And maybe they haven't developed a system around it yet. I'm wondering what you would share with people about the process and the amount of time it could take to dig into a successful podcast pitching campaign. Yeah. Okay. So this is where I'll totally get personal and open up behind the scenes my business and share that, you know, I find my most qualified leads do come from podcasts. If somebody has invested 30, 45, 60 minutes in listening to me talk about visibility, they're coming away as a warm lead. They hop onto my email list, learn a little bit more, and then typically want to learn how they can go further in a relationship with me. So when, so for me, and even for a lot of my clients, podcasting is our number one client acquisition strategy. So in terms of keeping it streamlined and time efficient, I've just gone all in on podcasts for 2022. So my personal marketing strategy is my goal is to always book at least 10 podcast interviews every month. So now people are like, oh my God, that must take so much time. I do it in 30 minutes a week while watching the Kardashians on Disney+. Plus. Um, so <laughs> number one, I have a lather rinse repeat message that I have been using since August of 2021. And at the time of this recording, it is mid-May. So I'm not spending time coming up with a new message all the time. And I don't think my conversations get stale because every host asks different questions and every show maybe starts at a similar point, but goes somewhere completely different. My messaging is super consistent for people who want to work with me because they want that trust after listening to five episodes, hearing me say the same thing repeatedly, knowing that not all of a sudden I'm going to talk about how to make banana bread, like it's just irrelevant to them. So that consistency is really helpful. What else was I going to say? So, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to walk through the strategy so people can see the ROI. I'm going to do a little bit of math here, guys. Math is not my strong suit. Bear with me. I'm going to do my best. Okay. So I shared that my goal is to book 10 podcast interviews every month. Typically I'll pitch about 40 shows on average because I don't bat 10 for 10. It's typically one in four shows I'll book. Like I said, I only spend two hours a month doing that outreach. So it's super simple, super streamlined Thursdays during the Kardashians on Disney+. Plus. That is the ritual. What was I going to say? Okay, here's the math part. If I do 10 podcasts every single month, there are 12 months in a year. So that means I'm going to do 120 shows over the course of the year, correct? Yes. 
I'm going to, I'm also, because it's not, it's not my strength. So at the end of every interview, a host typically is going to say, Lisa, where can our listeners find you? And I have the opportunity to share my lead magnet where people can jump on my email list. So let's say I do not the greatest job and maybe 10 people jump in onto my email list. Not many. I use this number to be super conservative. So I'm not blowing smoke up anyone's butt. Really? I would love to see 30 to 50 people plus downloaded, but let's just say I only get 10 people to download it. That means over the course of over the course of one year, 120 shows time 10 people per lead magnet means I'm going to get 1200 new additions to my email list. So we were talking about Facebook ads earlier to be able to get 1200 leads. I pay about $7 cost per lead. So that would cost me well over $7,000 plus the ad fee of $3,000 to hire an agency. So I've just saved myself 10 grand. And I'm not spending that money on cold traffic who doesn't know me because they were scrolling through Facebook and saw me come up. These are people who have listened to me on a podcast and they're already warm leads. So cold traffic versus warm traffic, no money spent, 1,200 leads come onto my list. Uh, Email marketing conversion statistics in the world of online business typically show that your email list will convert at 2%. So if I bring 1,200 leads onto my list over the course of the year... 2% of those 1,200 leads convert. That means I get 24 new clients. And I have a multi, uh, not a, well, I do have a multi five-figure offer, but my typical offer is around the $6,000 mark. And if I get 24 new clients, not, this isn't including the other stuff that I do. This is just a ladder, rinse, repeat strategy I do. I've just added over $140,000 to my revenue this year. And again, we were being conservative. That's just if I get 10 people to download the lead magnet. What if 20 do? Great. I've added 200,000 plus to my bottom line. So this is, even if you did, even if I did half of that, if I only quote unquote added another like 60K to the bottom line, that's still not a sad story. And beyond the exposure, beyond the people who sign up for your list, beyond the people who enroll for your program, I've made 120 connections this year. And the reality is, you know what? Not all 120 people are going to be my new best friend and that's okay. But what if 20 or 30 of them turn into people I do joint ventures with, that I do guest trainings in their mastermind, that we decide to mail for one another? All of a sudden, I have a huge affiliate network, people who are connectors for me. So people who know people on stages, other podcasts. So beyond the actual cash ROI, there's the relationship capital that I'm building as well. So that is why I'm all in on podcasts this year. I think it's a powerful example. Not only are your numbers powerful and People can, I think, plug themselves and their business into those numbers and understand that massive impact. But also, I love that you share it's a simplicity because as somebody who knows all of the ways to be visible and publicity to say, I'm going to pick one strategy and just go all in and leverage it and create a system around that. I think that's a a beautiful philosophy and that also makes it seem possible and doable for everybody. Well, what I love is in my six-month program, I share with people, here's how you get on television and newspapers and radio and all the different ways. And typically, my clients will narrow in on one or two and go all in on that. But what's great is the strategy is relatively the same. Come up with something with value. Figure out where you want to be seen. Who do you need to reach out to? Pitch with value. So you can repeat it for podcasts, for television. Even one thing, if I can say I've observed over the course of my career, because I've been in PR literally since I was 18, I learned about it in first year university and was like, oh, that's fun. Samantha Jones does it in Sex in the City. I'm yes. in. So I've evolved through print media, you know, where my clients wanted to be in a print magazine versus on the digital edition, and that would never happen today. But it's evolved through social media. So what's really cool is the pro- the strategies and the processes, they haven't changed over 20 years. The platforms may have evolved, but the strategy hasn't. So how powerful is it to learn something once and then be able to do it for the life cycle of your business, no matter what the platform is? Absolutely. Now, I wonder if you could share or if you have any tips for people, because as someone who gets, sees, and receives lots of pitches, there are people that I am genuinely interested in their businesses and having them on as a guest, but their topic is, it just doesn't feel like it's that thought through, or I'm not able to conceptualize exactly what unique angle they're going to share with an audience or my audience. And so I'm wondering what tips you have to share with people who would like to develop a pitch. I know it sounds like you have a really strong training and you know education in your programs. So what can somebody walk away with and say, this is how I could do a really great 
topic and come up with it that I can plug into this system? Okay. So one thing, I think what I'm coming up with, what would the actual content and the messaging be? Mm -hmm. I'm usually thinking about, and this is what I recommend for a lot of people. We got to meet people where they're at. If I come in talking and like a university professor and my audience is at a high school level, we're not going to connect and we're never going to go further. So one of the things that I recommend for people is think about the process that you take people through. We want to create a lather, rinse, repeat formula that we can say over and over again without having to come up with something new and also meet our audience where they're at. So for somebody who's coming into my world, they need to actually understand the types of media before I can even teach them how to pitch media. I like to think about, you know, I have my 5P formula for positioning, publicity, and profit. That is what I teach people over the course of six months. And I'm sure that anyone listening to their show has their own general process and framework that they take people through. So if you think, you know, I have a three or a five-step system, what's step one? What's step zero? What is that foundation? Because you could talk about that foundation over and over and over again and introduce people to that step zero or step one. And then once they understand that, now you can evolve them through your process. Or alternatively, if you have a three or five step formula or process, you know, evaluate what that is, you could do an overview of your framework. So now this way, people have a sense of how you work in general. I prefer to go really deep with kind of those beginning foundations, because my thought process is when I'm doing a pitch and I'm coming onto a podcast, I want anybody listening to leave richer than they came. Whether or not you download my lead magnet, whether or not you join my Facebook group, whether or not you ever hire me, I want you to leave here being able to do something with what you listen to. So even just by sharing, you know, Google write for us in your industry, that's something I share at the beginning of my program. And now anyone listening to this can walk away and be able to do that in their business as well. So think about what is that beginning foundational step for you? And is there an opportunity to turn that into a talk that you can have over and over again? Absolutely. And I wonder if you have a thought about people hiring someone to pitch for them and pitching in that person's name versus doing the pitch yourself. Because I have to say, I've said yes to both, but when I'm thinking about like your pitch versus somebody who's hired, even the warmest pitch, there is still that like, I still don't know your client and your pitch, even if, you know, and I'm not saying that there aren't people who have someone send pitches and sign their name to it. I don't work with any of those people, but it's definitely possible, but it feels like when we connected, it was a warmer, easier connection. And then that translates to when you come on actually as a guest. So you may have seen my facial reaction to that. I did. I strong opinions about that. Yes. Um, and <laughs> I was like, oh God, monitor yourself. She pitches for people sometimes. I not anymore. Not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and listen, I'm not saying it doesn't work, but I can truly say that in, you know, I'd probably pitched, I started pitching for podcasts maybe in 2015. So in seven years of having tried that before, I don't think it's ever once worked. I can get people on the biggest television shows, but podcast hosts are different. When you're going for a television show, they're like, this person's fancy. They have a publicist and they love having a PR person there. But when it comes to a podcast, this is more often than an individual who has poured their sweat, blood, and tears, their heart and soul into this show. They've curated and accumulated this precise audience. They're not looking to give anyone an advertisement or they can smell a mile away when someone wants to use their platform. So when it comes to traditional media, yeah, totally have a publicist do it on your behalf. But when it comes to podcast pitching, even with my clients, I will write the pitch and I will have them send the pitch so that it comes from them. And we make sure it's in their language because it's a far more casual conversation. So I always advise doing the podcast pitching yourself. Like once you're starting to pitch podcast networks or on those super huge shows, yes, publicists become a little uh, more familiar. But for most people listening to this show, doing it yourself is going to be a huge advantage. I think that might be an underrated tip. And I want to make sure that doesn't get buried because those relationships. And you talked about really, you never know when you hop on with someone, how many amazing, I hopped on an interview last week with someone to be on their podcast. And then she invited me to do a Facebook live and I invited her to do an Instagram live and I'm having her here. It's just been, we had such a great connection. It just turned into this whole wonderful opportunity and connection. So you just never know. And starting ahead of time, building that relationship, I think is a really great tip, but I hope people, if they took nothing else away, which I know that won't be the case, but I think that's important. 
Yeah, it's powerful to people that I've done podcast interviews with who I've never known before. Uh, One person, Abby Herman and I from the Content Experiment, I've been on her show twice now. After my first cold pitch, I ended up recommended her for a summit that I was on that she got business from. She and I ended up doing a joint venture webinar together a few weeks ago with other people, just like you were saying, they've come and done guest trainings in my mastermind. I've done guest trainings in their community. They've connected me with other podcast hosts. So you never know what potential relationships and opportunities are on the other side from one cold outreach and conversation. Beautiful. Now, one other thing that I loved is that you shared you've been doing pitching on podcasts since 2015. And I can see people thinking that just as a mindset, because maybe we listen to a smaller certain group of podcasts on repeat every week. And so I'm wondering if people are going to think, how could I possibly find 40 podcasts a month to listen to? And I'm wondering if you might have some words of encouragement to bust that mindset that you know people are coming into this process potentially with. So I have three strategies for finding new podcasts and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and going down a rabbit hole. So I'm going to share one of them. And one of them is, and I don't like the way that this is worded. Maybe one day I'll come up with better wording for it. But until then, this is how it's going to go. Think about somebody who is competitive to you. And I say competitive with massive air quotes because I believe in collaboration over competition Mm -hmm. all day, every day. But for the sake of the example, let's go with it. Who is somebody who is competitive to you, does the same thing in their business, and they're three to five steps ahead of you in your career? They have something built in their business that you see and you're like, I would love to be able to emulate something like that in my business. Go ahead and Google their name with the word podcast. So for me, I have an accountability partner. Her name is Christina Nicholson. We've been on calls every Friday at 8.30 a.m. since 2017. She's also in PR. She does the same thing as me. Her agency is at double the revenue mine is. So she's a few steps ahead of me where I'd love to be. And so I can go on Google and type in Christina Nicholson podcast, and it comes up with a whole bunch of shows that she's been on. So now I know, number one, this isn't a solo cast. They do interviews. Number two, they talk about the topic of PR and visibility. So now I just have to come in with a different example, and then that's an opportunity for me to get featured on that show as well. And one of the ways that I'm able to do this and turn it into hundreds and hundreds of shows is that if you use iTunes specifically, I haven't done this in Apple Music or Spotify or Google Podcasts. I've only done this in iTunes. I'm sure the other platforms do something similar. When you look at that, you know, that one first show that Christine has been on, and I'm vetting it to see if it would be a good fit for me. At the bottom of the page, it'll say listeners also subscribe to, and it brings up a bunch of other similar shows. And now I can just go down a rabbit hole of, ooh, that could be good. Ooh, that could be good too. And at the bottom of all of those shows, it'll say listeners also subscribe to. So now iTunes is just feeding me a whole bunch of show opportunities. So imagine if you took this beyond the example of writing down the name of one person who's competitive, write down three to five names, go down that trail, and you will find a whole ton of shows. And that hasn't even touched on the other two ways. I think that was super generous to share. I thank you so much. I think not only you you know, gave more than what the question asked for, but those are two really incredible ways to continue to find those podcast leads. Now, I know people listening, what I love so much about this episode is in this interview is that I literally have a page of notes. Like I could have blocked out three hours with you and I know we'd barely scratch the surface. So I know that you have a workshop coming up and when people are listening, I can't imagine that they're not going to want to continue to listen and learn from you. So can you share with us that workshop, what it's about and what people are going to learn there? Gladly. Every eight weeks or so, I host a free two-day visibility workshop. It's called the Get the Word Out Workshop, and it's for online coaches who want to stop spending on social media and pissing away money on Facebook ads and have a smarter way to get exposure faster. So over the course of two days, I help people get clear on their message. So remember, we were just talking about what is that foundational step that, you know, that framework that you take people through. I actually walk people through creating their own signature success system so they can understand what their three or five step system is. They can give it a cool name like the ABCs of visibility or the five P's of positioning, publicity, and profit that I dropped earlier. So they walk away with a clear message that their clients actually understand. And then I also share with them, okay, here's how you can get that message in front of people. We go a little bit deeper on how to find the right places, how to do a good pitch, but really, really importantly, we talk about how to feel confident putting yourself out there because I swear I could give somebody 
Oprah's email address and the best pitch in the world, and they may not hit send on it because they don't feel worthy of that visibility or their imposter complex is telling them that they can't do it. What's everyone else going to say? So we actually spend some time working on building up that confidence so that you're able to take these tools and put yourself out there. So the next workshop is coming out very soon. I'm not sure in time in, in terms of the release of this episode. The next one is on May 25th and 26th. But if that time has passed, rest assured, it will be coming back for another edition in July. So anybody who wants to attend that free two-day visibility training can register at www.finallygettheworldout.com. And we'll absolutely also have the link in the show notes to not only this, but your freebie. And we'll talk about that in just a second, but that way they can just click on through and find that workshop and that information. And I just want to say that tuning in and getting that information from your workshop would be such a powerful next step because if you're going to commit to doing something like podcast pitching or pitching anywhere to any of the media that we talked about, if you don't have that foundation right, I feel like you're just going to be spinning your tires. And you could say, now I'm sending out my own 40 pitches and I'm getting one yes. Maybe if they spent the time in your workshop with this foundation, they're going to be able to leverage that time and attention that they're spending on a strategy even more. And I think people tend to discount all over the place, the mindset. But if you think like tomorrow, you could go on this person's podcast, or you could be published you know, here or have this paid opportunity. It's easier to say, but when you think about what that actually would feel like, if you haven't addressed that mindset stuff, there could be a lot of things that come up for you and you might not be able to present yourself in the way that you want because of that fear, that self-sabotage. So I think that's really such a valuable piece that you've included in there. One of the exercises I love taking people through is creating a not so humble brag sheet. So they actually end up with a piece of paper where they love on themselves and recognize how incredible they are. And they print it out and they put it on their fridge. And anytime that imposter complex comes up and it's like, you can't do it. You can look at that piece of paper. That's literally empirical evidence reminding you of who you are. And you're like, oh shit, I cannot pardon the language. Oops, I swore on a podcast. Um, you're going to be <laughs> like, oh, I can't argue with that piece of paper. I did do all that stuff. I guess I am worthy of doing this. I tell you what, I am a thousand percent signing up for your next workshop. I will be there because sometimes even having done pitching for people for a long time, sometimes it's hard to see the label outside of your own bottle. And really any time spent with you is going to be so valuable. And any time spent figuring out and learning from you how to perfect my pitch and how I want to contribute and speak to the world is going to be so well invested. Also, you have this really cool freebie that is called the perfect podcast pitch. So <laughs> all the time we've been spending talking about the podcast pitching, I think that if you loved that conversation, especially, this sounds like the perfect next step for you. One of the compliments that I get, uh, you know, patting self on the back uh, when I'm on a podcast interview as the host says, you know, just like you were patting self on the back again, not so humble brag. I loved your podcast pitch. It felt warm. It was personalized. And I've shared that I've been using the same podcast pitch since August of 2021. I'm like seven months in D. I've been using the same podcast pitch longer than my marriage. So <laughs> I think it's been nine months I've been using it, but it, do it doesn't feel stale. It doesn't feel rehearsed. It doesn't feel like I copied and pasted it. So for people who want to see what my podcast pitch looks like, and they want to download a fill in the blank template that they can use to model and create their own podcast pitch off of, they can download that at www www.theperfectpodcastpitch.com and you'll get to see what my pitch looks like and you'll also get a fill-in-the-blank template as well. So again, the link is www.theperfectpodcastpitch.com. That's super juicy. Now, as we're leaving everyone today, is there any final thoughts you would like to share with them about this process of showing up and being visible, promoting ourselves and our businesses? Yeah, I think it's really to hammer in the fact that you could be the absolute best at what you do, but if people don't know that you exist, they can't work with you. And it's no fun sitting watching your competitors getting all the glory and getting all the features and you're like, but I know I'm better than them. So even if that fear is coming up and you're like, who am I to put yourself out there? One thing that I learned from a coach that was so powerful is that it's selfish for us to hide our gifts and not to get ourselves seen. Because if we don't put ourselves out there and we don't sell, like literally if we don't sell and we're all like, oh, selling feels smarmy, um, somebody who really needs needs our help, 
We'll go to somebody else who may not be as good as us, who may sell stronger and harder than us. So we're doing our future clients a huge disservice when we play it safe and we don't get our message out there. Think about the person who needs the support and the help that you offer and be brave and willing enough to put yourself out there so that they hear your message and so that you can help them. I think I might've shared this story before, but when I first transitioned into working online, I found the course that I took to do that through a podcast that I listened to. And the podcast was unrelated to online business. It just so happened this person was on there sharing. And I can literally like bring myself to tears thinking about what if she hadn't gone on that podcast that day? What if I had never heard about this opportunity? I'm not one who doesn't believe that things... I think that things that are meant for me will find me. And also her community, her course, not only has been such a gift and I've made so many amazing connections, but it literally changed the trajectory of my life. And so if she hadn't have gone on that podcast that day, I probably wouldn't be here. Yeah. It's how I have the same reaction. I can tell when I'm talking to someone and I'm like, Oh, I know I can change your life right now. Like that's when selling is like, it it sounds so cheesy, but selling becomes a real service. Like, as you were just telling that story about the person who made a difference for you, I remember sitting, talking to Pam Sherman in 2019, when I had just come off stage at Fitposium and she was thinking about stepping into my six month mentorship program. She's like, "Mm, I'm not sure. And, you know, we talked about it and I'm not a pressury person. And later, you know, I left her to think about it and I was walking through the mall and I saw her payment come through and I was like, Ooh, I guess I can go back and get those shoes. But that's besides the point. What happened is uh, since 2019, Pam is a speaker, she's an author, but she'd never been on television before. And over the course of working together for six months, she learned how to do a pitch. She booked her first segment. And now in 2022, three years after working with her, she has done well over 660 television segments with her local Fox station. She does not pay to go on television. They are highlighting her and promoting her. She is getting access to to their audience. I'm willing to bet that she no longer sends, dear producer, I have an idea for a segment. I'm sure she's just like, hey, Alan, text message, got an idea, Wednesday at seven, you good? So what would have happened? Like, again, not to be all big on myself, but what would have happened if I didn't speak on that stage and I didn't enroll Pam into saying yes to herself? That wasn't about me. That was about her. And look at how she sees herself now, how many people she's reached and helped, the brands that she's worked with. Like, it's bigger than me making a sale. This is about a woman whose life has changed. I know people can't see because we're on uh, audio, but I have like full goosebumps with you telling that story. So I think that's a perfect motivation for people to share. So again, please, if you want to join me in the workshop, I will be there too. (laughs) And then the perfectpodcastpitch.com. Perfect. Thank you so much for having me here today, Julie. I really appreciate the opportunity to share. And I hope that everyone who's listened to this today takes one thing they've heard, because I know I dropped a bunch of nuggets on y'all. Take one thing and put into practice so you can make a difference in your business. Thank you so much. It's just been an absolute pleasure. This has been fun. Thank you. 